if it's your own business, you can put your own hours. You can do whatever you want. Surprise, your first business is probably not going to work. Until you actually experience it, it's never going to hit home. Some businesses say they want to grow, but they don't actually want to grow. They just want more money. Something bad always has to happen. It's usually from something negative, but that's why they fail. No one's ever going to want it as bad as you. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Totem Podcast. I'm your host, Monico Carrillo. And don't remember, I mean, don't forget that an act of rebellion is to question. And don't forget to subscribe. I'm already stuttering this Please point. remember to subscribe. Yeah, there you go. See, he got it. Yeah. So today we got a very special guest with us. Um, I think it's interesting the position that she's in because we always talk about like business, Erica, we're talking about like someone, it's hard, we're, we're marketing businesses, so it's hard for someone to tell you how to market their business when they're not even in the area or in the industry. So, um, so our guest today is Kristen, she's the, the director of the economic development, and she, she, knows, she knows her stuff, and she's <laughs> from the area, so I think that's what makes it even better that she can actually give like advice or tips from actually living in the area, not from just some person coming down from the front range telling you how to go. Yep. So not just getting a city slicker down here and telling us how to run stuff over here. Nope, I'm definitely, I grew up in Akron, so I'm very familiar with the area. Yeah, yeah I, I seen is, that. Is the, that the background you check you did on me? Yeah, Akron, did, yeah, so, uh, so I, we grew up on a ranch. So oh, yeah. my dad's yeah. ranch is in between Brush and Akron. Mm -hmm. So I kind of, I was out there. The, this, this weekend out there. So that's what I was like, oh, it's interesting that it was, it was out there. But also, I think it's perfect for like the position you, you're you in because like your background, which you, like your background, what you were doing before you were in economic development, mm -hmm. I think that pretty much goes in hand in hand because you kind of know, I guess, uh, the industry, the market, I guess you could say. I don't know the right word for it. but Are you referring to my appraisal background? Yes. <clears throat> okay, yep. Yep, so I did appraisals in the area for about seven years before I um, took on the role of director for MCEDC. Uh, so I learned, I actually lived in Sterling when I was, um, primarily when I started that business, and got very familiar with land values and some of the challenges with housing that we have, especially um, in doing all that. So it's, um, it's handy when talking to the city slickers about development and land values and price of buildings and square foot and they're often surprised that I am aware of um, the historical values and how to apply it today. Do you think it's necessary for someone like in a position like yours to kind of know that stuff? Because a lot of the stuff we always have, like they say they're book smart, but they're not like street smart for like knowing the. Yeah, I think experience is definitely helpful, but it depends on where you live. Like it's helpful for me because it's such a big area. Um, if you own the city, a developer or somebody in economic development, they have a very small footprint that they're working with. And so they also have larger staff. So they probably have somebody on staff that's doing data and statistics and pulling all that information for them. Um, that just, it provided me the tools that I need to do that on my own now because I don't have the extended staff um, that larger organizations do. How do you go from like, because you said you started your own business doing that stuff. Mm -hmm. What made you kind of change direction and go into like the Warren County Economic Development uh, Council? Because, I mean, you, you, came at the, you came in at the perfect time 
January of 2020, right before COVID hit. <laughs> Is that so perfect? Was like, <laughs> so that was, a, that was a pretty big curveball, like right off the bat. Um, well, I don't know how much digging you did into my background, uh, but growing up in Akron, um, my dad actually was the president of economic development when they had one in Washington County, and I think it was specific to Akron. But um, my senior year, I worked in the office and wrote, wrote the fact book for Washington County in their economic development office. So I had the background in that. Um, alongside my dad also being an appraiser for a really long time. Um, so when I started a family, um, kids are a lot and they're time consuming. And so I needed a job and wanted a job where it was flexible so that I could be a good mom and be for the, be there for them when they needed me. Um, so that was kind of the way that started for the appraisal piece. Um, then they got in school and I worked from home. So I wanted more engagement with people and to get out and do stuff more. So I had applied for a couple of different jobs and in interviewing for one, they called me afterwards and said, this is not a good fit for you. You should apply for this. So I applied for economic development and started in January of 2020. Nice. So. I mean, it's so, so you, you, the, when you get, when you were appraising, that was your own business. Mm -hmm. Yep. So then so, so like someone might look at it and be like, if it's your own business, you can put your own hours, you can do whatever you want. Yep. So was it just like more like the balance of it? Cause it was just more maybe traveling and stuff. And then having like the, like a job is like more just secure, just like you just show up and, and go to work or, or was that like shift? Um, well, I, th with the kids being in school, they had a set schedule as far as they get dropped off at a certain time, picked up at a certain time. So going to a full-time job, there's the financial security of doing that. I think the bigger piece was just um, having a job where I talk to other adults more consistently. <laughs> Instead of just the kids all the time. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, yeah, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. Um, appraising was great and it filled that need during the time and it was an easy transition. It's a hard field to get into if you don't know somebody. Um, with my dad being an appraiser for so long, it was really easy for me to get into it and start my own business and um, kind of do it on my own. With that though, Eric, you said that you, you you can set your own hours as a business owner, but I mean that's a double a double age. Of uh, course, it, and it was, and that was um, it allowed me to um, do some work during the day, whether it's um, at daycare or temporarily. But there were many times where I was up until three, four o'clock in the morning doing the work because during the day I was taking care of them or that, you know the, part time part time daycare. So that's the opposite side that people don't see. It's like set your own yeah. hours. Yes, but that does not mean you're working less hours. You're just yeah. working, working more hours, but you're like fixing like your personal stuff here and there, and most of the day is, is consumed by like just doing the work. Yeah, and and definitely, and when you're as a business owner, I think a lot of people go into it. I used to own a flower shop. I don't know if you knew that. Yes, I did. <laughs> back, back in '09. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was a long time dream of mine to have the flower shop, and I worked in a flower shop in high school and in college, and so when that finally happened it was kind of a paradigm shift in the reality of I was not actually designing the way I thought I would be at the flower shop. I was doing all the behind the scenes and I hired people to, to do the designing. So that, um, I mean, if there was a large event, I would be involved in that, but that was another one where, um, up at four o'clock in the morning to go buy flowers, drop them off so everybody else could have fun with them. And then there until seven o'clock at night, closing out things and running reports and financials and planning for the next day's business. So, um, yeah. So it kind of goes perfect because, you had a couple of businesses, like, you know what business mm -hmm. owners go through. Yeah. And now you're kind of like helping them out with like the kind of, like, I guess the marketing side of it too. 
Um, yeah, I, I try to. Um, there's a lot. Um, I just I try to give the guidance of, um, especially if it's a hobby you're turning into a business, there's a ton that you don't realize. And unless you, you know, there's a book smart, you go to college and you get a um, MBA or a degree in business management or administration, you have that book knowledge, but that application is always a challenge as well because the book tells you to do this, but it never applies the way the book says it's going to. So there's that that real life experience that I can bring and say, you know, I get it. Um, you really need to, to understand this to be successful and to not go under in two to three years. And um, so we, as an organization trying to set up the tools um, through courses, but then um, other <laughs> projects like the block, we saw a lot of people wanting to do restaurants. Um, there's a huge investment. So I think the that piece was really important just to set a platform to test an idea so that you're not going under if it doesn't work. And um, it's funny, there have been a couple businesses go through that didn't work out. And as a board, they were kind of like, dang, that's, that stings. I really wanted to work out. But I was like, no, that's perfect. That was the goal of this was to set up the platform to fail without ruining your entire life by investing everything up front. Yeah, and I think people should just take advantage of it because surprise, your first business is probably not gonna work. Like that's that's probably the biggest shocker for all of us. When, when it's our first business, we're like, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like for me and Eric, we talked about it the other day, like this is our first business. Yeah. Like, so it's you start learning a lot of stuff with it. But I kinda wanna go back to where you were saying, uh, like you started your first business and stuff. I think, Social media does us a big lie that the entrepreneur, you know, like it's mm -hmm. it's, it's like the this really flashy lifestyle that everything is going to be perfect. But what you don't see is that they're like you said, they're working at three or four in the morning. Yeah. Well, so what do you see in, in, in your perspective? What do you see like now, like since you've you've had a couple of years, like seeing behind the scenes of businesses? Mm -hmm. What do you see now of like younger kids trying to get in? into jobs. Well, everybody wants to be a YouTube star, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. um, and there's now there's the, um, um, content creation and writing reviews for Amazon and they'll pay you to do it. And all you have to do is, um, take this course and it's seven days and they set you up and they give you all the tools. Um, I was curious. So I paid $7 for one of the things just to see what it's about and just what's everybody falling for. And, you know, I make $20,000 a day. I made $100,000 yesterday. Like, who doesn't jump on that? Well, they sell the course over and over and over and over, and that's how they make the money. So they make money selling the course, selling not the doing course. actual work. Yeah. yeah. Um, so how much money did you make? Um, I'm negative $7 right now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, something, like, early on, um, I read a book about starting a business and it wasn't, um, it was just women in business and entrepreneurs. And it said, work two years in every piece of a business to learn how to do it. So, um, and then move on before you start your business. Frey went on work two years in um, a job where you're doing finance and handling money for a business. And um, so every aspect. So. I worked retail for a long time, and in that, I got all of that knowledge just in retail, but moving through the different, um, starting as a merchandiser, um, a store man, and moving up to store manager, but I learned all those different pieces. So when I started my business, I had a pretty good idea, but there was still that um, remove, I still was never a business owner. So I kind of had a understanding of all the pieces, but it was really important to, to work in every piece of business so that when I actually did it, I, I knew what somewhat what I was doing. The, the time piece was a, a reality hit that I wasn't planning for, but, um, I, that, that one book, I wish I could remember it, but it just said work in every piece of operating a business because I did not go to school for business. I have a degree in merchandising, um, but, so but working in it. 
And do you think that's a pro or a con? What's that? Like that you didn't, that you went to business. Because I have this thing that I always have, like the person teaching you how to do the, how to be good in business at a college, they don't got a business themselves. So it's hard to tell someone mm -hmm. to work out when you're eating donuts every day. You, you know kind of what I mean? <laughs> so it's kind of like, that's the whole thing like with our business. Like I don't tell someone to do marketing a certain way. Like I test it on our, our stuff first. Like that's why we create content. Mm -hmm. So they can see it like, okay, this works. This doesn't work. Say it like this, don't say it like that. Like you start learning a bunch of this stuff and I, I don't know, I just think it's interesting with the, with the you go to college for, and then most of the people that go to, so th there's the other one, that go to college to learn something about, they don't end up actually even working in yeah. that something. So that's why I think the, mm -hmm. the trade skills are underappreciated. Cause oh. I, that was my background, I was, I, was in tra I was a trade. Yeah, for sure. I mean, life experience in anything is gonna get you far, in my opinion, will get you farther than any piece of paper that says you went to school to do something. I mean, yeah, you go to school and you get a piece of paper that says you graduated, you have a degree in this. Um, and you're right, somebody had to be good at business to teach a class, but I can tell you everything I know about business until you actually experience it, it's never gonna hit home. Exactly. So. Yeah, and, I, and I have some like firsthand. Uh, um, Actually, the one it? with the degree. <laughs> yeah, I have a fir firsthand <laughs> experience with it because I, I did go to like a four year university because when I was gonna, when I was gr growing up, like our dad had a business. So I was like, you know what? I wanna be a business owner. I don't know what I wanna be a business owner in. Yeah. I just know I wanna own my own business. And I was like, okay, cool. What's the next common common step for, or the next step, I guess, out of high school? I went to four-year school. I was like, I'm going to get my business degree. And after taking a few classes, I was like, no. <laughs> there, uh, there was just a bunch of just random classes that you have to take, mm -hmm. which, uh, which is any the problem with, like I think, with universities, just run random classes. But then it's like the stuff that they're teaching you in there. It's not – I mean, I, to a certain extent, I guess it is applicable, but it's like Monica was saying – the people there don't have experience really running their own business. Yeah. They're just teaching you from a textbook. But then I want to know what you did, not what the textbook says to do. Yeah. And, um, that's, the, and that's the problem. That's why after like the first year, I was like, you know, I'm done with, with business, whatever. And I just decided to just pivot and, and do something else. Yeah. Um, I actually started with interior design and kind of had the same, like, eh, I don't really care about other people's houses, just mine. <laughs> so the easiest transition yep. to finish what I had started was merchandising because I grew up in the generation where you get a four-year four degree. I really wanted to go to school for CAD and just get an associate's degree in computer-aided computer design. That's what I was interested in. Um, but I was convinced that I had to get a four-year degree. Um, you know, I learned merchandising is... Um, I think when people think of it, they think of window displays. And in my mind, that's what I was thinking is I'll go work for a big box store and do their window displays and design them. And there's a lot more math involved in, in that because they really? go over all the different aspects of um, working in retail from um, management to uh uh, if you're a buyer and doing your math project, the projections and the math involved in that, and if your sales are up and down. So there, there was some value in that that I never thought I would use. Um, but the other piece is when you're learning in school, um, I was not a great student. I didn't have a great, G I had a good GPA because I uh, was kind of lazy and I took college classes while in high school. So I got more points. So I had a great mm -hmm. GPA, but I, I wasn't interested in school itself. Like there are some kids that love school and, and reading and that just wasn't me, but I, I learned that it was, I just wasn't interested in 
how it was being taught. I excelled in math in college. I almost failed in high school, but it just wasn't being taught in a way that was interesting to me. Take me shopping and show me a 20% off sale. I can calculate every dollar point for you. <laughs> Ask me when two boats are gonna collide going at different speeds, I could care less. So I yeah. think that's really important too in in um, just in in anything you consider in life is, um, especially if you're thinking of a business and you don't think you can do it because you're not good at something, um, apply it in a way that you are, I think you'd be surprised. So do you think maybe it should be challenged the way I guess we're taught some stuff? Because me, I'm the same way. Math, I'm really good at math. I can do a lot of math in my, like right off the bat um, without calculator. But I mean, my math, my math teacher knows. Uh, I, had, I had like 40 missing assignments in my life because yeah. I didn't care. Like, yeah. Like that, that I should, I guess I shouldn't care. I just, it was just wasn't interesting to me. Same with reading. Like I didn't read books. I have bookshelves now, mm -hmm. but it's because just the subjects that are reading. Right. Trying to the, the subjects. Were they, the, the reading books they give you? Like I don't want to read those. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What are some of them? Eric knows them because he read them. Well, I, I read some of them that were actually pretty good, like Animal Farm, Fahrenheit Four Fifty One. Those were yeah, the see, two ones that I remember that yeah. are super relatable to like now that people can read and stuff, but mm -hmm. they don't have that. A lot of them don't tie that real world experience into it. Yeah. I, I want to, because on this subject, I, I like this quote, and you, I mean, you'll be familiarized with it. Is normalize sending kids to trade school without making them feel less than a four year university kids. Because mm -hmm. like, that's kind of how it is. I think they kind of like, oh, you only went to two year or trade school? Like, they, they, they look try down to, on them. They like kind of look down on them. But I yeah. think that's one of the industries that people right now businesses are lacking that they need more because nobody wants to do it mm -hmm. so they're actually like high paying jobs they are and it's something the other thing um you know you go into business to make money um yeah. and so there are some businesses that are trendy and they're they're just naturally going to fade away over time and then what's your next plan i think the thing about trades is they're always needed it doesn't matter somebody's always gonna have a leaky faucet or new houses are going to be built there's always a need for trade you're never going to be without without a job um it's that business acumen that could cause you to go under you know you're not invoicing your jobs properly you're not receiving payments properly you're not paying taxes i think that's all those are all those pieces that um and that's how i was convinced to go to college is like because I wanted to own my own business too, but I was told you should get a degree in business so that you can, so you know how to operate your business. I can tell you, even if I would have had a degree in business, I wouldn't have any idea how to run a business. I would have walked in so arrogant and just like, oh, this is how I do it. And you know, mm -hmm. and it doesn't work like that. There's like the, that image that's on social media where they have the difference between a boss and a leader. Yeah. Like that everyone, a lot of people think it's the same thing and it's not the same thing. Mm -hmm. It's not at all. Like you have to, you have to walk the walk. That's kind of like, what we try to preach on, but what we try to do, because you know you don't, you don't want to be telling somebody to do something that you wouldn't do. So that's yeah, I have a hard time with that in my job. Is um, for a long time it was one person, and then I had an assistant, and I felt guilty asking, and I still do asking them to do something that I, it's not beneath you. Like it, no work is beneath anybody. Everybody has to work, and so somebody has to do everything. But I always feel kind of guilty saying, "Will you send this meeting reminder for me?" I always feel a little bit guilty. Cause I'm like, "Why can't I do that?" But the goal ultimately for me, the organization, is to get it to a place where I'm not needed, so that it's fine tuned and it's running on its own, and I'm not needed. I've I've trained everybody up to where if something happens to me or, you know, some whatever, it's it's running on its own and. I feel like that's a good leader. You're not, I'm not, I'm not afraid to give somebody a responsibility and have them mess up. I mean, that's how you learn to do it. So I think it's really important to, 
um, if you do have a team or a business that your your goal um, in making money is to have a strong team so that you're not needed eventually. Well, what's your, I guess, delegating? What's the big, your biggest struggle with it? That the, are you just thinking that they'll mess up doing it? Or no, I could, or, I don't care if you mess up. I, I want you to mess up. I mean, we all learn if you. I learn if you mess up. How to you know? Because then I learn how I could have set you up for success better. How I could have asked you know set the task out differently. Um, I think it is for me. It's that not wanting somebody to feel that what I'm asking them to do is that they're better than that or that they you know they yeah like. Like that you think you're better than them or something. Yeah. And that's not it at all. Like schedule a meeting for me. Well, I could go do it and I can do it. One, I've hired somebody to help me with that piece. And so I have, you know, that's, that is their, their job. Um, but it seems like such a simple task, but I forget to do it all the time. So, so that probably frees you up to be able to actually handle the big Mm -hmm. problems you actually need to take care of. Prioritize Mm -hmm. priorities. Mm -hmm. But with that delegations, one of them, what are some other things that you think that, uh, business owners struggle with or that keeps them from not just growing, but being able to thrive? Because that, that's the whole different thing. But mm-hmm. a lot of people, they just want to grow, but they don't really want to grow. They want to thrive you wanna, or you want to make more money. But what's what are some things that you see that hold business owners back? Um, I think, so MCEDC, we have a revolving loan fund. So we review business plans and applications um, frequently. And one of the things we consistently see a gap in is that uh, just financial acumen in business. And... Um, knowing how to set up a balance sheet, um, cash flow analysis, but then how to use that data to grow. Um, Because the other piece um, we've talked about is some businesses say they want to grow, but they don't actually want to grow. They just want more money. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so um, understanding just the ins and outs of um, business finance and funding. And I mean, they have whole degrees in business finance. Um, So there's just tons of different avenues. But I think just that basic knowledge and awareness of um, finance and business finance, because finance is different and all, a bunch of different scales, but just a basic understanding so that um, you can pull up reports and look at it and say, oh, I've, historically, um, this is a light month. We'll take the flower shop, for example. I purchased an existing flower shop, um, so I had years of data. And um, Valentine's Day, um, one of it's the second biggest sales day of the year. Mother's Day is number one. It falls on the same day every year. Um, second Sunday in May, whatever it is. Sometime so, your mom, so, you should know. know. <laughs> your son, you should know too, right? <laughs> right. You too, yeah. you're a son, Eric. Let's see. Um, but Valentine's Day, it, February 14th is on a different day every year. Um, so if Valentine's Day is on a Thursday, it's one of the worst, if it's Thursday fr- or Friday, um, it's one of the worst, two of the worst days for, for people to buy flowers because you're planning a weekend away. So you're not buying flowers, you're traveling. And if you're buying flowers, you're not buying them locally, you're buying them wherever you're going. So I had um, reports proving that and that historical data to show me that, you know, last year was a Wednesday, great day, Tuesday, Wednesday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, great days. I could double my order for roses on those days and have no problem selling them. If I, but I had to reduce by at least 50% on a Thursday or a Friday for Valentine's day, or I wouldn't be able to sell through and I had, I would have a ton of wasted product. Um, any business, when you're looking at sales trends, you want to have that data or look at different things. It might be just on a weekly basis. Um, you know, Monday's not a lot of business. So a restaurant might close on Mondays and then Tuesday, 
you know, just reading that, reading the numbers and following your sales to know what your trends are so you can be more effective in buying product or whatever it is that you're doing. And it might be for staffing. Um, working in retail, you know, you week- weekends are busiest, so you double up on staff and you have call-ins in case somebody doesn't show, but you're prepared for it in that, in that staff scheduling. So kind of all those little pieces that drive those dollars, um, knowing how to look at them and how to use them to project and plan for your future business so that you can grow. Interesting. Interesting. And at that time, did you have other employees or was it just you? At Flower Shop? Yeah. Um, Yeah, I had, when I bought the business, there were um, two full-time staff and we had drivers that did things differently. One of the first things I did um, is I moved the location of the Flower Shop and looking at the money, I was paying $3,000 a month for the space, but I was only using 25% of the space. So I downsized and was paying less than a thousand dollars a month for rent and was able to keep everybody on in our revenue. The first year I did that, there was a $50,000 positive swing in revenue just for making that, that tweak to it. And that's, that's exactly where the, where that quote we just said <laughs> goes, like they just want to make more money. So sometimes there's people are throwing money at random things that don't even, I guess, mm-hmm. but it's that, as much. But it's when you start that perspective but, thing, because they're in a bigger spot, so they think they're doing better. But yeah. in reality, they're losing so much money because they're not tracking their stuff. They're not analyzing, like, if is this actually ideal for, for them I mean, or not. And you can break it down. Like, for the flower shop, I could break it down in sales, so per square foot. And say at 3,000 square feet, I was only using 25%. That didn't make sense. If you break it down, like, per daily, daily sales and what I have to make in sales per day to pay for 3,000 square feet. Whereas if I downsize and I just have kind of a small studio, I'm still gonna make the same sales because I didn't have a ton of walk-in traffic. It was mainly deliveries or events. I didn't need a huge retail space to, to sell product. I could reduce the product, also saving money and increasing revenue. And then um, just general overhead was reduced in that by doing the same thing. You've been in business, I mean, for a couple of years, you know, the back end of stuff. How has it been as you as, as a woman, pretty much like the one in charge dealing with other people like distributors or whatever it is or other yeah with other men (laughs) yeah because it's a it's a it's a male a heavy male dominated industry yeah how has that have have you had stuff where you like they don't take you serious at the beginning or something or how does or how are those conversations like yeah i think locally i don't think that's been an issue um i locally i always start the conversation of i grew up in akron and it completely changes the conversation just by saying that on a broader scope when people call um, call the office, they might be from New York and they're looking at doing a project here or want data. Um, they'll throw out numbers for a building in square footage and I'll ask them about, um, you know, the return they're looking per square foot or it's, there's always that, that one, I kind of sit back and listen to the conversation and see where they're going check their tone with me. Are they, you know, are they talking down to me anyway? And then I'll determine how I respond and what I respond with. A lot of it is, um, big words in an industry that, and they're like, Oh, you do know what you're talking about. And then it completely changes and goes back to if I'm talking to somebody in Morgan County. Um, but it's, it's interesting. I, I really would, um, you know, we, I'm sure we'll get to the programs we're doing, but one of the things I would like to do, um, with the programs with high school students and the trade industries we're focusing on is creating a group for girls and girls in trades and really 
bringing in mentors um, like Celia from Cargill, who runs the plant and works with kind of that environment and mentoring them through how to have conversations and self-confidence because we, um, in our conversations, I guess one of the high school girls, um, she was in a pretty male dominant environment and she left it because she was kind of intimidated by it. So really started looking at that piece because um, trade industry, um, women are better at welding. Um, there are lots of things that women are better at in the trades and it's just um, smaller hands, a slower pace, more patient, just things like that. So we want to encourage that and not kind of help them break through those barriers so that they're not intimidated by men. Well, uh, no, yeah, I'm, I'm just laughing because I was a welder. Like what you're saying is she's taking too long. You need to hurry up. Let's go. Because <laughs> I was a but welder. But the beat at the end is so much better than the one you did because I'm, she I'm was. Sure, I'm sure it is. <laughs> the... But you said get women involved in uh, more trade industries. Do you have one specifically? And then I'll let you talk about kind of like the. No, I just think in general, um, uh, women in trades in general is lacking, and I think a lot of it is because it's male dominant, and um, that's a shame. So I think that there's something that we can do to encourage younger girls to be more engaged with the trades and and give them business knowledge so they don't have to work with men. They can go out and start their own business and have all women working doing welding or plumbing or electrical. Uh, my husband was a home inspector and they talked about um, women home inspectors are rare, but there are a lot of single women that don't want a man coming in to a house to inspect it before they buy it because there's just that comfort level of a stranger. And so if you can get women involved in that and you know that a woman's going to come in and inspect your home and do a great job. I think there's a lot to be said about that. Yeah, and I think it kind of goes, uh, go back to the social media, the the society, how they do it. Like, And this is just how I feel. I don't know if it would be true or not, but I think they look down on it like a woman, like, you should have an office job. Like, you should have this. I th You're not strong enough to be doing these trades and stuff. You guys, I've got, <laughs> my best friend's daughter wrestles. Um... She is a state champion in Oklahoma, 6A, and she's uh, probably 5'9", and she wrestles 155. She'd knock you both to the floor yeah. in like 10 seconds flat, I guarantee it. She, oh, yeah, she sends me videos. And so, but I, I think there's that stigma. I totally agree. Mm -hmm. um, but I, th I, think it's, I think it's changing. I hope it's changing. And I think it's, I hopefully it's more than just strength. I hope it's, you know, just smarts and everything about it. Tell me about this project that you got going on, because I think it'll lead on to get a lot of women involved, like the, mm -hmm. the VR grant you guys got. Yeah, so we got a grant uh, to create a mobile virtual reality lab uh, focused on trade skills, and we'll take it to the high schools. Um, it, it started with um, the state put out a grant to encourage apprenticeship programs in um, all throughout the state, and there's a low participation in high school students. And as we kind of researched it, we found that most apprenticeship programs or employers in Morgan County that would be eligible to have apprenticeship programs, you would need to be 18 to participate. And so by doing the virtual reality piece, we discovered there's no age restriction. You could be a freshman in high school, you could be in middle school learning a trade so that by the time you graduate high school, you can participate in apprenticeship or even over the summer, once you're 16 probably. Um, you could be actively participating in an apprenticeship program. The other piece of that is businesses um, can get tax credits and grants and incentives to create apprenticeship programs where they receive a portion of the p salary they're paying the apprentice back. Um, so it's encouraging that as well so that we can get um, a str strong trade industry in Morgan County. 
So we'll be hopefully after the first of the year launching that within the high schools. We've already been talking to the counselors and superintendents and identifying students. Um, I think we have 10 that are already interested and ready to go after the first of the year. But we'll bring in the Quest VR headsets and they can learn electrical, plumbing, construction, uh, commercial maintenance. And then they can also get OSHA 10 or 30 certified by doing it. Would you say that that's one of the biggest things that probably like businesses, uh, cause they have to train them. Mm -hmm. So that's probably going to like time for them. It's going to take it like a week or two, whatever their training is to get them trained. So it, what I'm getting at is it could like accelerate the time that they actually start working once they're. Absolutely. Done. And it could um, increase their entry level too. They could be, you know, entry level might be down here, but by having these different certifications, they could start up here, which is also higher pay. Um, and so they can, enter the workforce at a more secure spot or maybe at a higher level than they initially could. And it's, and it's also like that safety aspect too. Like for electrical, like I don't want to shock myself or anything. So mm -hmm. let me just learn first, like in the virtual reality world before actually going out there and potentially injure myself. Yeah. And we we've, we've um, just doing the math, um, thousands, it'll save employers thousands of dollars by um, engaging with us and identifying future employees. Um, electrical being one, there are some, um, in talking to a couple of employers, they can do on-site electrical training. When they do that, if somebody's shocked, they have to send them to the ER, which is thousands of dollars. Mm. Every time they're shocked, doesn't matter how small. So by doing this, they'll come in with, a, a I think electrical is like 60 hours um, of quizzes and the VR training. And then we've partnered, uh, we're going to partner with local tradesmen and women um, that are masters in their field to help test them on site after it to make sure that they are getting what they need so that, um, you know, the hot wire on the VR is actually hot. They know in real life, they know where to locate it. So kind of help with that, um, firming that it is a good program. So the, so after they do the training, they'll actually do like a hands on, like a real, real training before they actually mm -hmm. go. We'll have them okay. kind of test out. There's like a test out period where they can. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Because that was the, now here's me playing devil's advocate with huh. it. So you have a, you know, everything's digitally like the, with the younger kids. Mm -hmm. So now, kids, shit, they're almost my age. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> you, so, so when they're training, uh, like more VR stuff, because I talk with a lot. So my background, welding construction. I talk a lot with a lot of foremen, superintendents, and stuff like this. Their biggest concern right now is that they can't get like good working people. Mm -hmm. And the ones that they do get are really lazy and don't want to do anything because they're just on their phones and stuff. Mm -hmm. Do you think this can strike a thing where people just want to be more on their phone now because now they're more, do you know what I mean, kind of? Yeah. Because now they're just on the headset doing it and now it's like, okay, man, now you're sweaty. Now you're actually going to have to do it and it's going to be yeah. hard. And now they're just like, ah, oh, well, it wasn't this easy in the VR world. Or like especially like welding, there's a lot of times where you're like in a mud puddle on your back. Yeah going under a pipe and stuff and you can't really get that experience from the getting really shocked yeah. for real <laughs> i had a couple of those and my arms were just like scarred up so that's yeah. the thing like everyone says they can weld until you start getting some sparks going down your back or on your arms and then that's yeah what, what's your take i mean there's so there's the career exploration piece and i i don't think that anybody that goes through welding or electrical or plumbing, I don't think they're doing it for the VR. They can do that. They can do VR without having to do electrical or plumbing. I think it's, I think that in the students that are really interested and engaged in this are truly interested and engaged. Um, I think VR is just a way to meet kids where they are today. Um, I think phones, it's, um, 
It's the way they are. I mean, we had video games growing up and Nintendo came out when I was a kid and I can remember spending hours in front of it. I mean, Atari, I, we have an Atari at our, or not at my house, but, um, you know, it was, it was a hobby, but now it's becoming a way of life. And I think that using this to meet kids where they are to actually get them engaged in the workforce and embracing it is the opportunity that's been overlooked. You know, everybody wants to be a YouTuber. Well, the reality is that's not going to happen, but we can take that desire to be on um, social media and digital and computers to train the future workforce. And they'll always have that. And the training with VR is 75% um, retention through all trainings through VR, 10% classroom. So, and I have a board member who did some training, safety training that was VR about a year ago. And he said he remembers everything because he was actually in there doing it. And I think it becomes more interesting when doing that. Um, you know, a business is interesting, but, but a lot of businesses, they go to a business class or like the block with the restaurants, they think it's fun and great, but then they actually do it. And they're like, oh, this is not what I thought it was going to be. I think we will have some of that with the, the VR training, but I'd rather they find out in that environment and um, then go out and get a job and be discouraged right out of the gates when they graduate. So in the long, so in the long run, it would be better because they actually see if they like it or don't like it. Yeah, I mean, there's that opportunity too. There's, I think there's a 20% course completion, like add drop period. So if they start in electrical and they get 10% of the course and they're like, I don't like this, they can drop it, no harm, no foul. But at least they know. And it saves them time and money. And, and it and saves thousands of dollars to the employer that might have hired them for a role in electrical. And they train them. They're like, no, this isn't for me. Do you think this could maybe cause a little bit of friction? Um, because you said they, the, the students can go in there while they're still in high school, mm -hmm. get certified on this, and then they go to the actual job. And they might be they might have like a little bit of an ego. Because then they're like, uh, I know what I'm doing. Oh, like, sure. I did, get shocked I did the out of that training, and then they get shocked, whatever. <laughs> and the first shock, they'll be brought down the butt hole. I think yeah. that's just human nature. I think that's normal. I mean, I had it when I graduated college. Um, is, there, is there any way to, like, as, like, a business owner or anything to kind of, like, I don't want to say, like, com combat that, but, like, tone it down a little bit from, from, like, new hires or anything? You know, I don't, I don't know if, as business owners, um, you should try to tame it. I think your awareness of it is the most important piece. I mean, if you have kids, they're, they're testing limits and boundaries. And I think this is an opportunity to be more actively involved in setting those boundaries and, you know, healthy boundaries um, as, as kids grow. I mean, you don't want somebody to come in really timid and I, that's almost more dangerous mm -hmm. um, where they won't do anything. And that's harder for an employer if you have somebody that comes in really timid and uncertain of failure if they're not allowed to fail. But if you, I think, create an environment where they can fail and explore that, but know it's it's okay. Um, their entry, they don't have to be that way. That safety is top of mind. I think how the employer approaches it is the most important piece. What do you have that like, on it, Eric? No, I, I, th I think it's good because, or it's good for like that new person to have that energy because mm -hmm. I think just having a new energy like in a new uh, like business or job or whatever is an overall net positive for them because they might have been doing things the same way for the past few years then in, and here comes like this newbie who has all these like great ideas and stuff that maybe someone who's been in the in the industry or whatever hasn't even thought of because they've just been doing that they've mm -hmm. been stuck in their ways just kind of doing it the same way they have been yeah i yeah i i agree with that i think that um, as businesses grow or their desire to grow, they have to grow how they think about the business too and mm -hmm. think outside of the box sometimes. And I definitely think that new perspective and that new person can bring that. Um, the other piece to the program that we're doing is 
the employers um, that are investors in MCEDC, which are Morgan County businesses, um, they're going to be engaged with these students as well. So they're going to know personalities. They'll have an opportunity to interview with them and get to know if they're a good fit for the company too. But I think that's just that's just part of it. I think, I mean, forget having a college degree. Just graduating high school, you exit with a certain amount of arrogance. Freedom. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I think it's just normal. Mm -hmm. Since, since uh, you are also like on the on the, uh, the director for the Morgan County Tourism. Mm -hmm. I just want to get your a quick take about uh, the HGTV stuff that was here in the community. Mm -hmm. um, because we saw like on the show they did, the, the show like portrayed like they did all this help for, for the community and all this stuff and mm -hmm. they helped so many businesses. But you, were, I, you had like kind of the behind the scenes view. Mm -hmm. Was it actually like that? Did they actually help the businesses or was it more just like, we're gonna remodel for you and then you kind of just do the rest? I think that's helping a business. Um, if you're a business owner and somebody comes in and gives you a new facade, it's up to you to take advantage of that opportunity. Um, I think I think you can look in the community and see which businesses took advantage of it, um, whether they were directly involved with the show or not. I think there are a ton of businesses that stepped up. Um, and said, you know, I wasn't on the show, but I'm taking advantage of this opportunity. And I think they've done a great job with that. But I, um, I think the big picture is they did come in and help. They gave nas a national platform for Fort Morgan. They gave the businesses that are in Fort Morgan a, a platform. Um, but a, an experience like that can only take you so far. I think the, you know, the, the excitement around it is, is fading. Um, from a tour tourism perspective, we knew that was going to happen. Six, eight months would be the tops, the top amount of time where we could really promote it and try to take advantage of it. Um, but the business's ability to grasp onto that and say, hey, I was part of this and keep it going, that's that's up to them, I think. And um, yeah, I think that any time a business is given an opportunity, good or bad, it's how you use it. Mm -hmm. Were you guys like involved in like also like, helping the businesses like maximize this opportunity that they had? Or is it kind of just like this information is there, like you guys got to do what you want to do with it? You know, tourism is, the goal for tourism is to market Morgan County to those outside the area. Um, so we really pushed the airing of the show and the different episodes. We pushed those out to areas outside of uh, Morgan County. And we work with a marketing team that they pull data for us. And um, they identified areas across the nation that are, that search Morgan County and Chicago, the greater area of Chicago. They do a lot of searching in Morgan County, Colorado. Really? And I think it's traveling from the Midwest on 76 to like the Western slope of Colorado. Um, so we took advantage of that and really targeted Chicago. Um, the, the chambers, that's where they kind of market that local piece and push um, the businesses and help the businesses grow locally. That's kind of a chamber thing where for tourism, we're looking at bringing people from outside Morgan County in so they'll spend their money here and generate tax dollars. Okay, because so the, the chamber's completely separate from you. You're, mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. Yep. You handle more like the outside perspective of things and they handle more the, yep, the local. internal mm -hmm. local stuff. Mm -hmm. Going back to kind of the like the HGTV thing. Me looking at it, because I was, I was watching the whole thing pretty much from, like, a business side and a marketing side. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of these business thought, like like you said, they did all this, but it was more like a remodel and a platform. It wasn't, like, this is how you're going to run your business now. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of – that's the confusion a lot of people got because they're, like, like okay, they, they got a platform. Number one problem in marketing is get attention. Once you got the attention, what are you going to do with it? 
and none of them, I don't think, I mean, I don't think any of them really did it as great. Or or if they did it, I think they could have done it way better mm-hmm. because they didn't take advantage of that. Like, If you like find a them, business owner that likes to be told how to do something for their business, I'd love to meet them. <laughs> <laughs> and I say that as a former business owner, it was mm-hmm. really hard. I mean, that's your passion. That's You're putting everything into it. It takes a really humble, looking back, I wish I'd have had a little bit more humility, um, but it takes a really humble business owner to allow somebody to come in or ask somebody to analyze their business and make suggestions to where they're not going to, you know. Something bad had to happen. Something bad always has to happen. It's usually yeah. from something negative mm-hmm. that it comes. Yeah. But that's why they fail. It's fucked up to say it like that, but that's why they fail because we they can don't. cuss on here. Huh? No, <laughs> I no. said we can cuss on here. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Fuck <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> But, but I'm holding back. But that's why uh, a lot of the businesses fail because now they're just like, like who's going to tell me and what to do in my business? But then they got all the right to do so because mm-hmm. you got to know who you take advice from. Yeah. But the problem is that they're not taking advice from any from anybody. They're just taking it from themselves. Because. Yeah, and I, I think that's where um, economic development um, has the opportunity. We're we're moving forward to try to find a way to offer advice without telling a business they, they need it. And so looking at the financial piece, every business could benefit from it, but if you're not open to receiving it or opening your books up to have them analyzed just on your own, like sometimes look, open your checkbook. Sometimes you don't want to look at it. So (laughs) (laughs) business is, is not any different. Um, but we're like, you know, we're really trying to find a way to provide tools, specifically financial tools to businesses so that they can do it on their own. Um, offering, you know, maybe a Saturday boot camp where you go over high level stuff, but then there's that additional support on the side if you decide you want it, or we'll, we'll find you experts that can help you with whatever it is that you need. But it's really hard, um, to go in and like, I, I walk in business all the time. I'm like, man, I wish they would do this. I know I can't go in and say that to them. I wish I could, but they, you know, <laughs> give me the middle it. finger they'll, they'll, and yeah, exactly. they can go ahead and walk out the door. So, mm-hmm. um, but that's when you the, know those businesses aren't going to, they're not going to thrive. I think yeah. they're only going to come and they're going to be the ones that go in waves or they might be the businesses that are here. I've been doing this for 30 years. Like I don't need any of that thing. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. There's going to come somebody new with innovative stuff and just going to sweep the rug un- mm-hmm. underneath you. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes, like in telling business is um, if you want to go far, no, if you want to go far, take others with you. If, if you need to go fast, go alone. Mm-hmm. So it's like everybody wants to go fast. So they're like, no, they don't want to get help from other people and they just want to retain it. Like you need to build an army, I think. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, I've um, just as a former business owner and even now in economic development, um, I now have two staff and it's amazing. I didn't you know, I thought I was doing great. I thought I was killing it. And I sat down after getting them both onboarded and trained to where they're on their own doing stuff. And I went back to my to-do list and like, I sucked. Like I wasn't, I was, my head was barely above water. Um, but it's, that's just how it is. And that's, it's not a bad thing. It's just, you need people. You need them. You just need, you need a solid team to help you stay above so that you can move forward. I mean, looking at what we're doing now, if I wasn't able to bring on Stacy and John, we, I would not be able to push the grants forward. I wouldn't be able to do the program. It's impossible. So I, yeah, I think it's important that if you um, truly want to grow your business, you have to look at your team. And um, and sometimes, unfortunately, as a business owner, that's taking less for a while so that you can eventually make more. 
what's something in your business life or your personal life that has kept you from moving forward? Like say like doubt, like other people, like what's one thing you'd say? Um, I'm kind of stubborn, so I don't know. Um, Cause that's been a problem for me. Like stubbornness. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, maybe, I, maybe that's I, it. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, like, I think I know what I'm doing yeah. and I think I'm doing it the very best, like of anybody yeah. else. And then, it's my way or the highway. And then it's like, no, actually, you're not that good, dude. Yeah. Got to take that step back. And it's like, dude, no, you're you know, not that I would, good. I would maybe agree with that, especially the flower shop. Um, while I did a lot of great things, um, I think my stubbornness, I prevented me from ask, asking for help from somebody outside or their opinion. Um, I think I'm over that now. I mean, I'm still stubborn, but I'm not afraid to ask for help um, or give somebody else a spotlight or, you know, I as long as as long as the job's getting done, I don't care whose name is on it. I just I want it done. Um, I want to see it happen in the community, and I want to see it like benefit the community and lift everybody up. No, that's interesting. Yeah, because for me, it's like I feel like I'm stubborn, like too. But I think there's there's times I guess to be stubborn because like who you. I think I got this probably from my dad, but he's always just like. Like, I want to see you doing it before I'm going to listen to you. Like, if, you, if you're not seeing them do something mm-hmm. and they're telling you, like, say, you need a website, Kristen. You need to be doing all this and all this. And you need to market. And you see them and they're not doing anything. You're just like, oh, well, I don't know. I don't know if I really should listen to them. I agree Maybe with that. from somebody mm-hmm. else. Yeah. Listen to, stri- I, think you should, I think we should strive to people, like, who we would aspire, I guess, to yeah. be. Like, or or I don't someone know you look the, up to. Yeah. So, because mm-hmm. even... If you're at the top of your field, or whatever, there's always going to be someone else that you can look look up to mm-hmm. and be able to chase. Because if you think you're the best in your industry, then you're not the best. Yeah. Because then you're going to stop to keep like you're going to keep yourself from getting better and striving for that for that top spot. Yeah, it's really hard to take advice from from somebody that's kind of equal to you in your role. They're telling you how to do it, but like you're you're not doing it. Well. <laughs> Why would I listen to you? Mm-hmm. There's, yeah. there's 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 great friend Joshua Youngs. He to, he told me this a while back ago. I was like, how do you find the right person like to hire? And he's just like, the biggest problem is that we always want to find a killer to be on our team. He's like, the problem is that a killer doesn't want to be on your team. The person that you hire isn't going to be put the same output as you do, because I mean that's not how it's going to be. Like mm-hmm. like you said, someone equal, they're not going to they want to go work with somebody higher, mm-hmm. right? So and that one it was, a, it was a good one to swallow for that yeah. one he told me that. I was like oh yeah you're right <laughs> that's, that's the first time like they're not gonna want it as bad as you want it yeah and then when you hire someone you're like no I want someone who wants it as bad as me but it's like no one's ever gonna want it as bad as you like no one's ever gonna love your business as much as you yeah no one's gonna love your your project or whatever as much as you do cause you gotta take care of it like your baby mm-hmm. yeah what are some things that you see like in Morgan County area, uh, now that you're in charge, the director of this, that needs to be addressed or that needs to be evolved or changed? Or um, I think what we think we deserve. I think that um, something I've noticed a lot is um, we, you know, we're rural, we're an ag community. We're not, we're not going to get that. Why not? I think our perspective. Um, just the general perspective. We talk about this in tourism a lot. Um, you know, if you live in Morgan County, you drive it every day. If you were just take a random picture of something, 
what would it be? A cornfield. Um, it might be a dilapidated building that is an eyesore for you on a daily basis. If a tourist comes here, they're going to see all that, but they're not going to take a picture of that. They're going to take a picture of Rainbow Bridge or the bandstand or all the people at the car show. And so that stuff's happening here. It's just not what we think of on a daily basis. And I think that perspective is something that we could all work on a little bit of how we see our backyard and how we, how we tell our story. Um, so that when we're telling other people about Morgan County, they're like, I want to go there. I want to bring my business there. I want to visit there. I want to spend my money there. Um, so from tourism, we've actually had this conversation a lot and we always need that 60 mile expert. I can tell you this, but I live here. So it's, worth whatever. But if we get somebody that's from outside the area, that 60 mile expert, and they come in and they talk to you about it, you might start to look at things differently or be like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. And I was talking this person, we were talking and I said, I'd love to do, um, like over the next year, quarterly sessions where how do we change your perspective? How do we make it so that you are bragging about living here and not so more people live here? I mean, not so the more people like everybody from the front range move is moving here. We don't, that's not the goal, but it's just so that when you walk into a store or a restaurant, that customer service is also elevated because the person working there is excited about you coming to visit them in Morgan County. And how does that, how do we do that? How do we, for everything, because it kind of shifts. And when you look at, if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at seem to change. Mm. And so if you look at, you know, housing coming in, um, quality of housing, I think we deserve better new, new construction. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. I, I think we deserve really good new housing, not just houses to get by. And I think that that is something we could all work on. And, um, so I, I just think that perspective of, what we deserve and what we have. That's interesting. Yeah. So per the perspective of stuff, because you can always have someone write, like you said, someone's always telling you like, Hey, you should do this, but you don't listen to what someone else that comes and tells you. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting, uh, like you said, you should be proud of like where you're from and stuff. Most of the people, if you listen to people, like they're always complaining, like, oh, four morning, like all oh, this. And it, it smells. It smells. <laughs> it smells. And it's like, it's and it says all this, but then the thing is like, well, why don't you leave then? Like, yeah, but then if you it's great. and then if you <laughs> go out and then you talk to people that are in Greeley or never, they're saying the same thing. They're in their same neighborhood. Like mm -hmm. I never got out of this place. I mean, that's always going to happen. Yeah. I, I don't know why. Why do you think we're like that as humans? <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm a boomerang. I just didn't go all the way back, but I grew up in Akron. I left uh, for the reasons you're, you know, I, it was small. I didn't like it. It had nothing for me. Um, but as I, you know, as I got older, I realized that, you know, small towns are not that bad. And I, I needed that in my life. And so I, when I came back to the area, I ended up in Sterling, but then eventually moved, um, back to Morgan, back to Morgan County. Um, and my husband's husband's from Baltimore. So when we started dating, I was in Sterling and I was like, you know, if you want this to go anywhere, you're moving out here. I'm not moving back to Denver. And he's like, Oh, okay. And he, you know, we kind of talk about it every once in a while, but he's like, we're never moving back to the city. Like not going to happen. So there, you know, we have that perspective, but we still have to remind ourselves that, it's a great place to live. And I actually added our website. There's a, it's living in Fort Morgan or living in Morgan County. And the top of the page says, what's that smell? And I highlight that it stinks here occasionally, but that's about living here. It's something we should be proud of because we are um, an ag community and that's something to be proud of. But in that comes the different smells because we're manufacturing and producing products that the world needs. And that's something to be proud of. And um, so I, I just think that perspective of not only living here, but what we deserve and what we want here. Yeah, definitely. Because I was actually listening to something the other day 
I think it's like 80% of people or something like that don't know the process of what it is to get like, like meat. So okay. then like you come out here, they're like, <laughs> they're, they're, compla- <laughs> they're complaining about the, the smell. Like, Oh, like, yeah, they shit. Yeah. yeah. You know, this smells like the cows, but it's like a lot of people don't even know the process. They just go into their Sam's club no, or it wherever is. it is, their Costco and they just buy their, their, their organic, impossible burgers, their, their yeah. organic chicken. <laughs> Yeah, organic it, um, chicken. They don't know how the organic chicken lives, you know. So it's like, yeah. Um, even now, right now, it's uh, fertilizing season. So you drive down the interstate, and the smell lasts a little bit longer. Or it's just out during the day, especially you know, it, you spread the manure on the fields to fertilize them, and then it's hot or it's cold, and it's it's in the air. Um, growing up, my cousins they were in Denver, and they grew up in Denver, and I don't know how it came up, but um, milk and eggs they thought just came from the grocery store. Really no, no, I, no idea. Um, yeah, they just make them in the factory and they send. Well, them they over. do, just <laughs> not the organic ones. They, they make some. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, it's um, it's problem. <laughs> <laughs> that that, yeah, that's huge on some of the where, where people don't even know where they come from. You know, if they, yeah, I, I love it that subject. Once you started, like, do you know what's in the Impossible Burgers? You know, they're actually going out of business because a lot of. Shit, but that's yeah. a that's a whole different topic. Yeah, that's that's one of the reasons um, I'm wanting to move back uh, to the ag community is I wanted my kids to know where their food came from, and I wanted them to see, hopefully, be hard workers, but see men as hard workers and getting dirty and not just you know the fancy city life where there's minimal dirt and you know farm animals are almost non-existent anymore, but I really wanted them to experience that and see it and know where everything comes from and be a part of it. How necessary do you think it is though? For my kids? For kids in general. I think it's vital. I think if they don't become an active part of um, all the processes that they get things from, it'll eventually go away. And that's, I think that's the worst case scenario. I mean, we're seeing with the trade industries now. It was something that there were so many at one time and it had a label that wasn't ideal. And so you were discouraged not to do it, but now we're scrambling to get it back. And if that happens with agriculture, what does that look like? You have a different appreciation Uh for it too. Yeah. Because my my dad has a ranch and stuff. We have Richard cows and stuff there too. Mm -hmm. And just like going through the whole process, you learn to just appreciate everything. Oh yeah. Just like, not just like, oh, it's because good, healthy meat, but it's like, spiritually too it's like Mm -hmm. there's some level of appreciation there that you can't really reach with anything else yeah um, my family my dad's family started on a ranch in nebraska and it's now a very large operation but i remember going there as a kid and bottle feeding calves and going out to the chicken coop and collecting eggs and there's a part that as a child and even as an adult i'm like that doesn't exist for everybody like how does that how is that not normal for everybody to go out there and i grew up on a farm for wild horses and you know the geese running around and all the stuff but i there are people that never experienced that and that is that's shocking to me i'm like how is that even possible yeah it's crazy yeah i was out, i was literally out there this morning and i took my daughter with me and i make her like mm-hmm. i don't i guess make her i just be like you want to go and she goes and mm-hmm. it's fun have, i mean like and we butcher an animal like here grab the leg hold it up and you're helping me like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and i know it's kind of weird but it's like no. they need to know what hard work looks like and yeah. appreciate those things it's not and yeah. the big the biggest thing is I, I always there's a lot of people i say they're farmers ranchers like I want to see them grab a chicken. If they can't grab a chicken, like you, you ain't, you ain't, you ain't real. 
Like my son, he's two and he grabs them. Yeah. He grabs them by the feathers and just grabs them. So yeah, brush just passed that chickens are allowed in the city limits. So um, next year they'll write in the code that we can actually have, chi- we can have chickens before. And my son, my youngest wants chicks. And I'm like, you know, they become chickens, right? And you know we're going to eat them, right? But what's funny <laughs> is, um, so we've been like, I've been pushing it and it got on the ballot this year and I was so excited and even more excited when it passed. Um, but I have a friend that has chickens and so she's bringing eggs. So we had farm fresh eggs for a long time and it's the weather's cooling. So, um, they stopped laying as frequently and then some of her dogs, her dogs ate a bunch of the chickens. So they just don't have as many eggs. I had to buy eggs at the store and my son refuses to eat them because they don't look and taste the same as yeah, the farm fresh take, eggs. Yeah. The farm and fresh eggs, you can he's tell. he's seven mm-hmm. and I'm like, Oh, we're gonna have to get chickens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like they, they do do eggs in the factories yeah. and they, they're not the same. You no. can tell just by looking at them. Huh? Yeah. They're, mm-hmm. they're way different. Mm-hmm. So if someone wants to get a hold of you, if, if someone wants to get involved with MCEDC, how can they go about doing all that? Um, they can go to our website now, or they can call the office and talk to Stacy um, 970-467-7100. Um, but yeah, we're just, we're at the old DMV, so. <laughs> the old DMV, don't tell them that. The they're going to keep, go, well, no, keep the, walking the in The old DMV like is not the DMV. Stop coming in. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. No, I appreciate it, Kristen. Thanks for, for being on. And yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. And guys, remember that an act of rebellion is the question.